Hello and welcome to Scintillating Stories. In this show, we read short stories by a variety of authors. Today, we're reading three collections of poems. Shane Johnson is a Glaswegian poet, translator and writer. His first novel, The Gods of Frequency, was published in 2020, and his poetry, prose and translations have been widely published in Scotland. What was it like after A.C.? It was sweltering. The heat pushed on your chest like a policeman. Parched, you sweated memories through your pores till your head was dry. Silence came erratically among breaths and a jakey's cortisol refrain in your small bare pink room where you waited on the bedless floor for news. Your eyes opened from sleep in that room. Four blinks, like four staccato knocks on the door of absurdity. You could easily wake, wishing for a large crowd of spectators on the day of your ridiculous trial, that they would welcome you with obscene, jowled, wealthy faces, grotesque wigs and questions of hatred, so that your chest would hum with delight. Queen's Park Bench Clouds ahead like the arms of a grey cardigan. A whiff of pipe smoke to the brain. A sign that things will be the same again at the end of a cycle. That the greyness will pass soon. Down there in the grass, crows are stamping, plotting, waiting for worms. Why don't pedestrians walk with a straight back any more? The horizon is all hulking metal silhouettes, gulping air and birds, grinding them into Netflix. After watching the pinprick of a dove die from afar, I can go home and eat a bowl of soup. But a hard black crow skewering a worm or a fat cat breaking a small bird's back on your doorstep? These sights leave a bad taste in the mouth. Route 20 Mausoleum Street. Gulls patrol, a slobbish conspiracy of yellow eyes, gobbed guards brooding over their catchments on fissured windowsills, loitering before the sudden gross flappy burst as a shopper treads, quiet as a feather falling. Mid-flight, they don't flinch as a siren clips blue light through pedestrians' tight shoulders with a thud like a silenced pistol. Felt rather than heard. All our eyes are locked on glitches embedded in the morning route. Mouldy taco. Marigolds pulling. Trembling grow bags. Trespass litter. Dirty green. Refusing not to throb in pavement cracks. Virginia Betts is a tutor, writer and actress from Ipswich, Suffolk. She runs Results Tutoring and specialises in neurodiverse learning styles, being neurodiverse herself. During the lockdown, she had poems, stories and articles published in literary journals, won prizes and published a story collection, The Camera Obscure, and Tours to the Sun, a collection of poetry. She's a regular guest on BBC Radio and she's also a professional actor and performer. She formed the Dead Poets Theatre Company, has played Kate Bush and she has just played Mary Boleyn and Elizabeth Barton in The Rise and Fall of Thomas Wolsey by Suzanne Hawkes with Black and White Productions. She's currently writing her next books. Tourist to the Sun Fired up for takeoff, wearing my asbestos suit designed to deflect, I bring with me 
a cabin full of unmarked baggage for the hold. Wingwalker without a rope, hurtling to the light fantastic, untethered, first to sign up to step off the map where even the silvery surface is marked by dark spots. Even the brightest star is already dead. With outstretched arms, I surrender to the sun, glide, star-shaped, licked by flicking tons of flame into the white-hot core, white heat devouring sound, eclipsing time, searing conscience and annihilating thought. Not arrogance that brings me here, but fear, the elemental need to fly, unfettered, to pilot my own craft, to pierce reality and seek the truth behind it, and in seeking, half expect to find it, and thus, avoiding bird strikes, negotiate safe water landings, when at last I am earthbound, within my hand, a brand to fire my piece of Earth's story, when I return, scorched and burned, Lost Property If I collected all the lost keys, the ones on rings or chains that drop into drains, unclaimed, and squat there, sequestered out of sight, rusting behind bars, far below blue sky, in dank, stale beds, just beyond light, all the buttons hanging by a thread that fall unnoticed, and fag ends and bits of cotton gone astray, credit cards slipped slyly from shallow pockets, lipstick abandoned by a sink side, drawing pins and tacks that nestle in soft pile, poised to pounce and pierce the flesh of hand or foot, like nails, evading hammers, spiralling from empty shelves, dropped down loudly to swearing curses, under sofas, between cracks, rogue staples worked free, sending loose leaves scattered to the wind. If I could gather these, place winking silver coins, beside the rest, create small change, collect them in a shiny tin, then I might thread the needle, mend the holes, pay my debts, unlock all the doors, and let the world back in. My love is pure. She has sapphire magpie wings, falling in sheets of silk, pale as death and fragile as a cloud dissolved in mist. She is amber wind, spins hypnotic whirling dance, black as a raven in her soul and silver lined like heaven's walls. She has splintered eggshell heart, makes music like the gods. She stirs the leaves, she lifts the waves deep as a well, untouched always scratching at your core, never enough, wanting more. When she's gone, you cry her back. When she's back, you hate her. 
she will hush a lullaby, drift you down in featherbed, but hollow dreams are all she brings, she's always in your head, broken feather, angel wings, driven like the slush in snow, nothing ever makes her go, although she's gone by morning, I love her with my hollow bones, I love her with my ragged face, I'd give her everything I own if she would stay this moment. Tragic face on silver screen, dying swan, tormented scene, and just as swift, a peaceful dream. She wraps you up in linen sheets, always scratching at your core, never enough, wanting more. That's how you know your love is pure, and that is why you hate her. Masking We meet in the street, you fancy a chat, and you go on and on about this and that. I admire your coat, you admire mine. I say, you seem tired. You say you'd look better, if you'd had time this morning, to put your face on. To put your face on means makeup like after a fight. So, maybe a brave face, which is war paint, which then leads to brave heart smeared and daubed, leading the charge. So, lead charging. Well, there's my laptop at home, charging up like a knight on a white horse, or loitering alone, like the one in Keats' poem. Where things wither by the lake, which leads to monsters of the deep. Though technically, that's a lock, like in a door, without a key, although the sound is soft. A key where war brides stand to wave goodbye to their sweetheart's land, and your remark makes my thoughts take off. Spill into my brain in split second time. And as they take flight, I miss your next lines. So I just keep quiet and nod and smile. In the right place, I hope. Put on a made-up face. Wear normality like a cloak. Play out the elaborate spectacle of the mask. While behind the crafted veneer, bottomless wells of thoughts spiral down endlessly and the grey shadow of fatigue follows fast. Stepping out on Derby Day The moment before I stepped out, time arrested. I saw the future played out before me, like a newsreel, like the life I would not live. All sound stopped. There was no chattering crowd, jostling for a space against the fence. I did not hear crashing iron hooves or feel the ground's vibration rise up through my feet and into my chest to compete with my dancing heart and the sound of blood pounding through my swimming head. The air sizzled with static, as if earth were anticipating, bracing for impact. There was no question of waiting. 
We were meant to meet, the horse and I, on this unexpected battlefield, not a drawn-out fight. An almighty explosion of light and sound thundering down to plough me to the ground, its rippling body tearing into mine. One small step for woman to change the course of time. In my shoes. I have walked in many kinds of shoes. When I was small, they were a perfect fit. Sturdy quality, parading in dim-lit shops, smelling of dust and leather, made to measure and fashioned with love. And as I grew, I tried my mother's shoes for size, towered inches higher, paper-stuffed the toes, clip-clopping up the hall like a newborn foal. And there were other shoes to come. Ballet pumps that took me pirouetting over quavers, crotchets with a minim rest until I took to dancing to a different tune. I squeezed my feet into ankle boots and kitten heels with pointed toes, tottered unsteadily, wiggled like Monroe, danced till 3am in six-inch heels and then limped home, walking wounded, barefoot, blistered, bleeding, dodging broken glass and needles. Those shoes you wear returning home by sunrise, passing joggers on the way, Gratefully discard them by the bed as you crawl in shamefully with aching feet and head as others start their working day. I change shoes quite often. Some I keep like old friends. Some outgrow their use. Some look beautiful, although they pinch me and abuse. Some I gave away along the way. The shoes I favour now for comfort do not mistake for dull. They shine so brightly. I walk in them for miles. As I trip lightly on the roads and paths I make, I leave behind a trail of stars and rainbows in my wake. I read once about a boot repatriated. Leg still inside. Back from foreign soil to reunite with owner, long dead. Such is the power of shoes to bring us back home. I will end my days unshod barefoot, when finally I end the merry dance, relieving weary soul, hoping that my child will always wear the shoes that fit. Eleonora Westfall is a multi-award winning writer of stage, screen, fiction, poetry and radio from the east of England. Influenced by David Bowie, Virginia Woolf and Dusty Springfield, Eleonora's first full-length poetry collection, Life in the Dressing Room of the Theatre, and her collection of short stories, The Art of Almost, are forthcoming with Vine Leaves Press in late 2023 and 2024. Her novel, Everland, was selected for the Penguin and Random House Right Now editorial programme in 2021, her short films have been selected by Pinewood Studios and Liftoff Sessions, and her theatre and audio shows have been selected by the British Library and performed at Winterfest on Broadway, where she won the award for Best Monologue. Eleonora was also selected as one of 2022 and 2023's All Stories alumni. Coal to Burn the World I do not belong here. I do not belong. Belly down against flat earth, I splinter 
like sheet glass beneath boots that crack my spine. I do not belong. I, a feather bed to my own head, my own very particular kind of madness, lying here on the ground, life in my teeth, my mouth, my tongue, but still, I breathe, still not choked after all these, all these, all these moments, one after the other, after the next, after the next, life. I see it now, stretched too thin with a punctured eye, and I see it, how the weeping willow would watch the riverbed should I drown. Belly up this time, eyes like sea glass, mouth like a fish. Try them all, try them all, these ways to sink a ship, to skin a cat, to catch a mouse, to break a heart. Sink me, rock bottom, drown me slowly. Take the coins from my mind's eye and sell my universe for coal to burn the world down. But still, I will breathe, because I do not belong. Where the plants reside. I trespass, not wantonly, not lonely, but vigorously, through heart lines, word lines, torn, heart-shaped pages set aside by time. I think, I think how I might be while the flowers lean closer than they might to me now. Then, lean and smother, thick with wild violets and hung with the wildest honeysuckle, I would grow roots then, roots of daisies, crocus, buttercup, dandelion and bloom in spring. I, who leaves the inexpressible to the page but becomes no nearer to expressing. And that is how it should be. And one day, when the plants reside, root down in the place where my heart once was, the daisies will turn their faces to the sun, the grass will blow in next week's wind, and my heart will always be the rose that will forever bloom just for you. Merivale On the 28th of March, 1941, Virginia Woolf drowned herself in the River Ouse. This poem is a moment wherein Virginia Woolf's sister, Vanessa Bell, is writing to her sister, only a week or two after her death, where life continues to break back in with all its sharp edges. Have you ever been to Merivale? She writes, while Angelica, six, fist full of flowers, arranges them in a pattern similar to that of the painted tile of the hearth, violet stalks with purple faces for the V, and daisies for the W, while she sits cross-legged, in the milk dish of sunlight coming in through the half-open door. Have you ever been to Merivale? She begins again, blots the end of the pen, nib down for too long on the fold of cloth, watches the ink bleed out, blue, blue, blue. Perhaps... She falters. Perhaps we shall go, you and me. A song thrush in the wisteria just outside of the window calls from her nest. Leonard whistles back from where he stands between the tulips. 
Vita, perhaps. Angelica hums a tune, half forgotten and half remembered. And the children, of course, they do so love to see you. She smiles, watching her daughter weave her own initials with petals from the Forsythia. And upon our last visit, Angelica fell rather in love with a cow which she gave your name to. Out in the garden again, just by the door, Angelica picks weeds, plucked with the hollow sound of the milk thistle or dandelion stalk. A brown cow, all doe eyes, soft muzzle, standing on legs with knees like pollarded trees. She smiles, gains momentum, shifts in her chair that creaks and scrapes against the flagstone floor. Nettie's here, folding your stockings, rolling them into yellow balls like eggs, like eggs in a basket. As soon as she's gone, I'll unravel them. Fitting, perhaps, for I seem myself unravelled. She hears Nettie on the stairs, knows the satisfaction she will gain from this rolled nest of previously unravelled and unkempt stockings. Did I tell you I see Vita now? She comes to dinner in your place, sits in your chair with its back to the fire, with some hesitation, of course. She looks at me, and I, in her, see you, and you, in me, she sees, though... Neither of us has spoken of this, of course. Instead, darling Tom slaps cards down upon the table, Queen of Hearts upturned, only fleetingly, between her and I. And then, of course, Duncan slaps his card down, too. The King, perhaps, of spades, as suits him. And the moment passes without a whistle or trace. The song thrush sings again, greets her mate with a beak of soft sheep's wool scraps. Only the echo for which I've spent these last few weeks digging for beneath roots of speculation, only to find dust and grit, the shriveled bulb of a daffodil dug up too often, and the skull of a blackbird, buried by Angelica, I'm sure, though at your behest. Now the ticking of the clock, the whir, the readying, readying, then the chime. Too loud, always too loud. She closes her eyes, waits, waits for stillness, and then... Have you ever been to Merivale? She has digressed for too long. I ask, not because of the now literary bovine, but because in passing a cottage I noticed a young woman, a girl perhaps, sat, elbows on the window sill, Mrs. Dalloway between her hands. And it was such a shock to see you there, so suddenly, so starkly, in this house painted the colour of our Cornish sea, because you see, as only you do, you did. I look for traces of you without knowing it at all, and I find I cannot speak, cannot say, as you would have done, so eloquently, but I cannot, neither with voice nor with pen pain it is to glimpse you so suddenly and so sharply within your absence. The house is quiet. The bird has flown. Angelica has gone. The garden is too tempting. Such is death. The stillness stretches. But one of these days we may contrive to speak again. Who knows? Again. 
the stillness. My darling Virginia, I miss you. And this letter is nothing without you to receive it. The hesitancy of pen held above paper. Yours, always. V. Thank you so much for listening. Our Halloween competition is open till the 1st of September. We're holding a competition to hunt for truly haunting writing. Entries should be prose fiction, non-fiction or poetry, and should fit the theme of Halloween. Think ghosts, ghouls and goblins, witches, werewolves and warlocks. The winner and runners-up of our Halloween competition will receive a cash prize and be featured on our podcast each week in October, leading up to Halloween. Find out more details on the tricks and treats on offer on our website. There will be a link in the description. We're just dying to read your submissions. If you want to stay up to date with the goings-on here at Yorick Radio, then you can follow us on social media, sign up to our newsletter, check out our website, and subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production. <laughs>